Welcome to our latest webisode, and we have a lot to cover today, quite a yeah. bit actually. Yeah, a lot going on. I was actually jerking it to uh, images of the orange sky in Oregon because I get off on shit like that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty bad out there. Um, it, if you were to look at one of these forest fire maps that are going around, you're going to see that the fires are starting up. Uh, what was it? Almost to the Canadian border, all the way down. So it's pretty mm. much the entire West Coast. Yeah, I'm sure there's some in Canada too. We can include a uh, a shot of it. Yeah, um, um we're, we're, it, it's uh pretty surreal looking at those skies, though. I mean, you have orange skies, some that are even like deep, deep red. Um, and I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I thought a lot of these things were probably like filters. I thought um, that first oh. didn't really hit me because I mean, it's just not something you see is. I mean, imagine you walk outside and everything's fucking red. Yeah, I mean, that is not, like, that's that's pretty common, you know? Like, um, not common, but, like, if there's a fire, it, you know, anywhere near you, it changes the color of the sky, right? So, like, in Southern California, like, there's, you know, there could be a fire, like, 50 miles out in, like, Riverside or something, and it mm -hmm. would still, you know, it would either be smoky or it'd be dark or whatever, Um so that's not necessarily like, you know, that's not necessarily the sign of apocalypse that people say it is. What is the sign of apocalypse is just how many fires there are. Yeah. You know? So, like, so you you lived in Cali at the time at one point, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, did you ever were the fires ever a thing when you were living out there? I mean, not in SoCal by me, but um, when I went and visited. Uh, I had a buddy who worked on a farm up in the Sierra Nevadas and I'd go up and visit them sometimes. Yeah. And there was always fires up there. Like small fires are, are normal, right? Like right. they happen uh, every year and it's like good for the farm, you know, for the um, the wilderness in a lot of ways to yeah, have I mean, occasional well, I mean, fires. It's a natural but, process, right, to get rid of a lot of that brush. But yeah, um, I mean, people are pointing a lot to climate change right now about it. With it's the... not the problem, though. I mean, it makes it easier for fires to spread, right? Mm -hmm. But like, does, what... does it does it exacerbate the problem? Yeah, no. Well, like, yeah, because it makes it it drier, right? And it was already right. dry out there, so like, it just makes it drier. But like, the reason they have the fires is because the the grid is not maintained properly, and they didn't have the investment in fire prevention. Yeah, like, and, and you know that's that is something that we talked a bit about. And, you know, it's austerity the, is to blame yeah. more than climate change, right? Like, it's not that they can't effectively develop a policy to keep the fires from getting out of control. It's that they don't want to spend the money, and the private company, who's PG and E, who's supposed mm -hmm. to be footing the bill for this, don't. They won't. They they can't be held to account because the fucking you know Newsom is in is in their pocket. So yeah. there's. This is, a, it, this is a capitalism problem, not yeah. really. It is a climate change problem, but like first it, and foremost, it's a problem it, with capitalism, yeah, or neoliberalism it, to be specific. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me like it's a it's a collection of problems because there's only one way problems get this bad is when you have a bunch of shit go wrong. So yeah. you have that stuff with PG&E, and then you have temperatures out there that are topping 100 right now mm -hmm. too. So, I mean, obviously it's making 
a situation that was already bad worse. And that's why you're seeing these uh, Blade Runner-esque, you know, somebody fucked around and put the um, dystopian <laughs> wasteland filter over the simulation. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, the other story out of um, the West Coast out there in Portland, uh, we covered the beginnings of it, but we didn't really get to go into it all that much was uh, when we had um, – a uh, confrontation out there in Portland where a member of the right-wing uh, Patriot uh, prayer group was shot and killed by um, Michael uh, Raynal. He was out there with the, among the protesters. Uh, now, this uh, guy that was killed as part of that right-wing group uh, was participating in macing and doing all kinds of other kind of crap. So it would, you if you looked at the video that we had to repost a bunch of times, um, he was macing the guy, you know, and... Afterwards, uh, Mr. Reno, he went ahead and did an interview with Vice News and mm-hmm. uh, claiming self-defense and all that kind of stuff. And he uh, claimed that he was providing security for Black Lives Matter that were out there marching. And following this confrontation shortly after this interview, he was uh, killed by U.S. Marshals who tracked down his location. Yeah, they assassinated him. Essentially, that's what it sounds like. And it, it to me, it reeked of cop killer treatment that's what it that's exactly what it popped in my head right away is like okay he killed one of us that's why we're gonna go ahead and yeah. shoot this guy 30 times right yeah that's 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 that just where my mind went right away it's like okay this we're gonna treat this dude like he's chris Turner. that's exactly what we're gonna do and it um it, it was it's really eye-opening you know to to know that that's exactly the kind of thing that we're that you know the people out there are up against and the people that agree with with uh with what the protesters are out there trying to get accomplished or up against because there's camaraderie and you can see somebody out there wearing uh don't tread on me flag right next to a blue lives matter flag and it's uh it's it's pretty it's pretty haunting i I gotta say just from the way you know that they're gonna react if you go out there and defend yourself yeah um yeah, I mean, I don't know. There was all that shady stuff about his background. Like people were saying that it was sus that he, you know, was sort of very normy, and then all of a sudden, like in May or so, he just became super. You know, started posting like Antifa this and Antifa that. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, that's completely not beyond the pale for these fuckers. Like they would totally do something like that. Like, you know, whatever agency or private mercenaries or whatever. Like, they would totally set up a hit job basically and mm-hmm. you know kill one of the patriot prayer guys and then you know either you know kill him or fake you know who's to say he's actually dead you know all that stuff like it could totally be an op just because of the way they used it i don't think it is but like you know i think that there was some legitimate reason to think that but it's you know it's kind of what i expect it was going to happen right like yeah i don't think i don't think it's I don't think it's all that surprising. And the fact that he did the interview too, though, that's also kind of sus. Like, when does that ever happen? Like, he's a a fugitive, and he goes and does an interview with Vice, and Mm then, like, they claim that he had a gun when he was, you know, when they were trying to get him. It's like, that's also kind of implausible that you would pull a gun, you know. On a bunch of U.S. Marshals are coming up and trying to get you. Yeah, when there's 40 cops surrounding you. Why are there 40 fucking cops (laughs) In the first, did, was there forty fucking cops there to arrest Kyle Rittenhouse? No, you know, no, no. no. What happened with Kyle Rittenhouse since since uh, his arrest 
is there was a GoFundMe that was set up by a Christian group, and um, it essentially made him a millionaire now. That's yeah. what happens when you're on the right and you shoot more people. Yeah, like, I think, I mean, I don't know. I'd like to see this, like, I'd like to see how they respond it in another kind of situation like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like it's all too convenient the way it went down. So, you know, it's like they don't do, like, a lot of times that the stuff they do now with, like, the MK Ultra stuff is they don't even, like, it's not like he's a Manchurian candidate. It's just they have him programmed to react in a certain way, and they trigger it, mm-hmm. you know? So, I, I mean, I don't know. Do I think this is going to change anything? No. Do you right? think it's going like, to go – do you think it will um, prevent more lefties from going out there armed, or do you think it's going to encourage them? No, I think it will be the same. The other big story over here that has to do a little bit with um, with the MAGA chuds is a how the support President Trump parade over in the um, the Texas um, Gulf of Mexico area. Uh, oh, actually, was it there? No, it was a uh, no, it was a uh, Lake Travis out there in Austin. And uh, yeah. this was on this was this past Saturday afternoon. And uh, during their Trump Pride parade, uh, five of their boats sank to the bottom of the lake. <laughs> so, I guess we can uh, say that uh, Lake Travis is officially indoctrinated into Antifa. Yeah, I mean, Lake Travis. I think there was already a pretty lefty, you know, uh, hot spot, right? Yeah, I mean, Austin's like one of the more Democratic counties in um, in uh, Texas, so it's one of the few major. I mean, I think when you go into the urban areas in anywhere, it's probably gonna go ahead and lean more away from from those um, red kind of districts. But so it's pretty, it was pretty hilarious to go and see. I mean, nobody ended up dying. Everybody's okay, but five other boats ended up sinking. It was a. Uh, I was kind of unclear about what caused them to go ahead and sink, but apparently it was just rough waters and so many boats over there clustered all together. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what it was. It was like, you know, people, you know, showboating and all, right? And yeah. Not, you know, those people are all assholes, right? Like, <laughs> think about what kind of asshole gets involved in a Trump boat parade. You know, like yeah. Well, one of the um one of the people out there that um were part of the parade and everything. Uh, this was a comment from I'm a school teacher. I think our kids belong back in school. I think COVID has been overrated, and I know people have lost loved ones. But if we look at the not underlying issue cases, it's not that huge. What? Because she wants the kids to go back to school. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And like Trump is going to do that? Like, I mean, I, I guess you know, we'll we'll get into it a little bit in a little bit about this, but um, I, it's a it's all part of this politicization that has gone on around COVID that was completely unnecessary to begin with. But um, since we're going to go up on Trump news, the uh, next thing I wanted to go in and uh, cover a bit was uh, well, our, our fine orange president has been nominated for a. Um, Nobel Peace Prize. The Norwegian parliament member, Christian, I'm not going to even attempt that last name, uh, uh, said that uh, Trump should be considered for the Nobel Peace Prize because of his work with the United Arab Emirates and Israel. Um, what was that? Um, what was that guy's name? The the who shot all the Muslims? Um, um, Anders Anders uh, <laughs> Brevik. Yeah, that's the guy who. Um, 
who nominated him. <laughs> uh. Like, I mean, I'm going to give you my, my um, edgy hot take on this, but technically speaking, right, if we're just looking at diplomacy internationally, right, okay, there's he did some 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 decent things, right? Like that was one of the few areas where he didn't put his foot in it as much, right? Okay. You know, the North Korea thing, he, you know, I don't know if that was a net positive. I mean, the North Korea thing was probably a net positive for the world, if not America, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it kind of hurt us probably. But I think it was probably better for the region. It was probably better for South Korea that Trump met with them, right? It was probably better for our allies in the region. You know, that was probably the best thing he did, right? Like, it was that. And, you know, the UAE shit is like, you know, that's nothing, right? That's like something that was already there. Right. He got them kind of admit it, you know, like. To me, I I chalk this up to fascist solidarity. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. There's a far right leaning member of the parliament going to nominate the far right president of the United States and. You know, try to get him some brownie points for his election. I think I think that's what the, from a, you know, from I mean, from a practical standpoint, I just don't think that he deserves any kind of award for, at least for, not. for yeah. No, he's literally one of the worst people in the world. Like, bar <laughs> none. Like, he's so, deplorable it, in every sense of the word. Like, yeah, he belongs in hell. Like. <laughs> It's, you know, like if we pass Medicare for all and give everybody health care, I would be fine leaving him off. You know, like he's that terrible. He'd be the one guy I didn't give health care to. But like, <laughs> be like, yeah, just not you, Trump. Yeah. Well, I know two people. I know two people that we got to bring up right now. One is going to be on probably be on your side. Another one will be arguing idiotically against you. Um, so Candace Owens and Cardi B had a you ain't blow black. Up this you won't week. vote for me. <laughs> She's still mad about that. They had a they had a major beef about this though. Um, I mean, what can you say? They they went back and forth, um, trading pot shots, and uh, well, Cardi B had took this shot at at Candace Owens. Where uh, forget boot licking, Candace Owens will deep throat the entire leg. All the performative bullshit she, said that she did. To her? Yeah, she retweeted Cardi this. B so it's obvious. Oh. She this is something that she retweeted directly. So I mean. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is what she's trying to go and communicate over to Candace Owens. All the performative bullshit she did to sell out her own people, and they never even invited her to the RNC. Meanwhile, my girl Cardi B is out here doing Zoom calls for presidential candidates. I think that's what it it stemmed out from, right? Because um, Biden decided to speak with Cardi B. Yeah. Yeah, see, so. Um, I mean, Candace Owens, let's just get this out of the way. She's a grifter, she's- and she sells out. Of the black community, any chance she gets because she'll cash a check about it. Um, I think Dave Chappelle went in on her pretty in, in a pretty justifiable way when she um, had to open her mouth about George Floyd, saying about why is the black community making him a hero when it's not anything to do with the black community or any um, anybody out there that's marching on behalf of of. Uh, criminal justice to make him a hero. He was made a hero because he was murdered over a twenty dollar check. Yeah, exactly. It's, so, but that's she doesn't care about any of that shit. She just is using like sophistry. She's just yeah. like a shitty version of Ben Shapiro, and you know that's the one thing she does. And the other thing is like, you know, 
launders racist shit so that she yeah, can repeat it that's exactly what it is you know, you know it's like she, her and the tim scott and like people yeah. like that like they just say yeah. the racist shit for and them. like to yeah exactly so like to explain what you mean by that ra- racial you know that racist laundering kind of stuff they'll talk about they'll like say black, shit. On black crime or yeah they'll say like shit the, what they'll do is they'll say shit that their white counterparts won't be able to get away with because they're not black that's what it is they'll go ahead and say that and once they say it it's out on the forum and everybody else can go ahead and repeat it that agrees with whatever grift that she's trying to push out there. You know, so um, I'm glad that Cardi B, you know, went and, and <laughs> humiliated her a bunch of times. Even though, you know, Candace Owens went and pulled the Mayor Pete and said that, you know, R.I.P. Cardi B and all that other kind of shit that they were saying after. But yeah, yeah, I um, mean, that's that's to be expected. I mean, I don't I don't know anybody outside the right wing. Uh, circles that will go ahead and say that Candace Owens has any kind of credibility with anything she says at this point. I mean, she went on Rogan once and, and got humiliated. Yeah, got That's humiliated. That's what's so by young Jamie. Is though it's like they never just they never accept the like getting humiliated. It's always like yeah. they try to put their spin on it, and it's like a lot of them seem to genuinely believe that version of events. Like I bet mm-hmm. you they think she did great on Rogan. Right. I bet you they, I, I bet they, so. there's some version of that where she like, you know, owned him with facts and logic. And, you know, it's like all of their shit. It's is, like, is that a dot com? Is that a dot- <laughs> Yeah. It's like how fucking dumb. And that's the other thing is they're so dumb, too. It's like, you know, a, they're, they're like libs, right? Like libs are dumb yeah. as shit, too. So like the same yeah. thing would happen to them. Like if like if Joe Biden went on Rogan and embarrassed himself, they would find a way to not admit that. Let's go on to this next story. It's a little bit of um. Well, it plays into the stuff that has been happening lately where a mother had uh, called uh, for help for the, from the police. And when they, the police arrived, they shot her 13-year-old her, uh, who has uh, autism. Uh, he's recovering now. This was out in Utah. And um, she had asked for a crisis intervention team because her son was having a mental breakdown. And they responded by shooting him. Yeah, that's totally – that's what they sh- are supposed to do. That's yeah. that's what cops they, – they show up. And whenever there's a 13-year-old kid having a, a traumatic event, like the police playbook, it just says fucking cap them. That's step one. You don't, you don't do anything. You don't like tase him. You don't rubber bullet him. You don't even beat him. You just pull out your gun and cap him. That's pop, pop, pop. You know, but it they, the cops – I mean, I don't – That was funny. Just, you should have laughed at that. I mean, it's just kind of trying to think about this shit. It's just like the cops should not be the ones that you have to call for some shit like this. And they're supposed, I mean, they're, the I, I'm sure this mother was calling, anticipating that they de-escalate the situation and just take the kid to the hospital or something like that. Not in the way he ended up in the hospital, but they just go ahead and take him to some t- trained professionals to be that are better equipped to go ahead and deal with it and de-escalate, not shoot the kid. All right. And this was a big story, though. Um a U.S. court has uh, vindicated um, Mr. Edward Snowden. Uh, yeah. Seven years after the fact that he uh, turned whistleblower on the NSA and the NSA's uh, spying program, the uh, court ruled that the program was unconstitutional and violated the Fourth Amendment. Um, wait, can you explain that again a little slower? Um, so, um. The ruling that was handed down from the Court of Appeals of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is that the warrantless telephone dragnet that secretly collected millions of American telephone records violated the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act and may well have been unconstitutional. Um, so 
Did you, whole, you know any like the rationale for it? Like the uh, didn't really go into the rationale in the article that I found here, but um, the idea is, I mean, Snowden's reasoning for doing what he did was because he felt it was a, un, it was unconstitutional the, pro, the as the program was being implemented. It was a mass surveillance program on everybody, which doesn't serve any purpose for intelligence efforts because you're just data mining at that point. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, to get the to get a ruling like this. This is a point where I mean, you gotta. I mean, this dude has to get pardoned at some point. I I still doubt that he'd come. I I doubt he'd come back to the U.S. because I still think that they'll probably try to whack him. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think that they have more hatred for Assange, right? I yeah. Think Assange is much more hated, and he's hated by everybody too. Like Snowden has his defenders pretty much like. I it's not even like ideological. Like the left defends him, right? But like. There's some, you know, there's some a handful of principled right wingers who seem to defend mm-hmm. him, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you, you even have some of the Republican lawmakers saying that you know, trying to go to Snowden's defense. Even somebody like Matt Gates, it was it was crazy to think about it like that. But uh, there was one part of the of the story that um, was really interesting, though, was uh, the U.S. officials were claiming that four, um, I guess, uh, terrorists were convicted using this program. But so when the ninth, while the Ninth Circuit uh, ruled on Wednesday that those claims by the U.S. officials were inconsistent with the contents of the classified record. Uh, wow. So they lied. So they stole everybody's info and then they still lied about it. Yeah, they stole everybody's info and said it was for good reason because we were getting convictions. And then the court looked at the documents and said, no, there was nothing useful you could get out of a program like this, this is just a mass surveillance program. And there's nothing you can really decipher between all that data to get to find anything that would be useful in an investigation. Um, All right. And um, our big story, the breaking news um, that should have probably broke in February, but Mr. Uh, Bob Woodward, uh, if you all know your history, this is uh, one of the Watergate journalists that broke the whole scandal open. Uh, He conducted an interview in February. Which one uh, was he in the movie? uh, He was uh, Robert Redford in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So... He had an interview with President Trump, and he was uh, put together a book over these last few months. And in this interview, uh, Trump, uh, well, not shockingly that he lied about Corona. It turns out that he's been lying about Corona. But to the, the, to the degree that he was lying, is, uh, it, you know, it's still kind of, you know, that he really did. I guess to me it was more surprising that he was really that well-versed on what the issue was. And it wasn't just him being an idiot. You know, he like he knew that uh, Corona was airborne. He knew that it was deadlier than the flu. He knew that people can get that it is a, it was much more contagious than the flu. And all the while he was out there uh, getting his politicizing Corona and getting his uh, base to go and buy into this politicization. And then you had yeah. at the end of it right now, we're coming up on 200,000 people dead in the country yeah. because of this. And so what was uh, President Xi saying yesterday? Well, we were talking mostly about the uh, the virus, and I think he's going to have it in good shape, but, you know, it's a very tricky situation. It's, uh, Indeed it, goes, it, it goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch, you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air, and that's how it's uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, it's also more deadly than your 
you know, your even your strenuous flus. You know, people don't realize we lose 25,000, 30,000 people a year here. Who, who would ever think that, right? I know. It's I mean, it's pretty forgotten. amazing. And uh, then I say, well, is that the same thing? For, this is uh, more for... deadly. This is 5 per, you know, this is 5% versus 1% and less than 1%. You know, so this is deadly stuff. That's the fucked up thing is, like, not that he, like, knew about it and didn't say anything, you know, because I feel like that's probably most presidents would have done that, right? It's the, Well, his justification was that it, it was, was that, he, the way that he responded was he did the opposite, right? He went out and told people, it's actually, you're a pussy if you wear a mask. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to cure this shit. Like, the bleach it's thing, gonna go away in April. Like, like yeah. I don't have as much, like, I, I actually, I agree with the people about the bleach thing. I feel like I, I defend Trump for that, right? Like, mm -hmm. that wasn't really that crazy. He was just kind of like, he was obviously just spitballing ideas. Like, what if we tried right. this? What if we tried that, right? But yeah. like, <clears throat> the way that he basically was downplaying it in such a way where it was like strategic information that he was intentionally misleading people on well, and he, turning it into a fight. Yeah, he said he didn't want to start a panic. He said he didn't want to start a panic. Yeah, so I'm saying, but there's a way to do it where you don't start a panic, but you're cognizant of the fact that people are dying from it. So you don't, you know, you say, oh, folks, it's going to be fine, folks. Don't worry about it. I'm going to cure it. No problem. Oh, but make sure you wear your mask in the meantime. Like, so I'm saying, like, yeah. there's a way to downplay it and still not do what he did. Because what yeah. he did is, like, unforgivable anyway, but especially knowing that that was his true opinion, you know, his right. private and, position and his public position. Yeah, like, exactly. And, and I don't know if, I mean, because Woodward should have came forward with this shit, too. So it's not like he doesn't have any of this shit have, on him, either. Yeah, but think but, about how they would have responded, though. They would have been, the like... Tapes, to the tapes. To the tapes. Actually been, hearing him know. say that. Yeah. I mean, if he had released the tapes... I'm trying to think. What do you think would have happened if he what had released they, the tapes in April? What it would have happened is he would have had to... Trump would have had to pivot off. He would have been... He would have gone and they would have uh, started saying, oh, Woodward's starting to start a panic. This is what I was trying to avoid. And he would have made it all about that. He would have, But he would have had to change his tact from saying that it's not serious to actually – because he can't say that anymore if he's on tape out there saying it. So, I mean, it would have changed that part of it. It might have been able to save some lives in that yeah. respect. but Fucking Woodward, man. Yeah, I mean, he should have come forward with it. This, uh, you know, he sat on it. I don't know what his motivation was besides selling more books, but – you know, that, that's just one of those things that's fucked up that he, he used it as an electoral tool, as is according to him, he felt it would make more of an electoral impact releasing it right now in September. But by, I mean, uh, right now Trump is trailing in a lot of those ballot, battleground states and throwing this on top of it, plus the red sky, plus all the fucking mess in the streets right now. Um, I mean, I'd still say it's about 50-50 because Joe's such a fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> History Hour with Tony and Matt, where we talk about history. History time. It's about time for our history segment. And yeah. really, there's only... 9-11. Yep. yep. It is 9-11. It is the 19-year anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. 19 years. Wow, man. That makes me feel kind of old, huh? Yep. Um... <laughs> Uh, well, I figured the best thing to go about it, I mean, it 
it's a, it's a little bit different because this is a history that a lot of us have lived through and we're and we had to bear witness to. Um, were you living in, in New York at the time? Yeah, man, I was there. Like, I have a great 9-11 story. Like, the night before, like, uh, I had just gotten to college, so we were going out every night and mm-hmm. raging till the break of break of dawn. And that club, Wetlands, was, like, a famous, like, uh, downtown club that, you know, had been, you know, instrumental in a bunch of different scenes all throughout the uh, 80s and 90s. And um, they <clears throat> were shutting down so they had this last week of shows that was just you know like different scenes they highlighted so there was one we were at and it was um a bunch of hippie shit it was like um uh soul soul coughing like one of their side projects and i want to say like um some other shit i forget who it was but it was it um went till um five in the morning or whatever you know, mm-hmm. and we left the club and kind of stumbled around because we were like, you know, 18 year old drunk kids. <laughs> and, and we ended up getting on the train at the World Trade Center at like 615 in the morning. So on that like, day? yeah, like, I don't know, wow. about like an hour or two before the planes hit. But like the whole night, I just remember like taking the escalator down the stairs at the World Trade Center. You know, you like there's a train station underneath. So like took the escalator yeah. down to it. You missed so, it like, by an hour. Yeah, like I just remember walking into the down the escalator, and you know I remember looking up at the building. I did that, but like uh, walking in and being like, "Damn, that was really great that we got to go to Wetlands before it shut down." And you know, it's like a scene from a movie, right? Like you know, that's like such irony, right? Like, and then you know, got on the train, went back to school in the Bronx, and. Ended up sleeping through the first plane, um, missed my class, um, woke up when we went um, up on the roof of our dorm and just watched smoke clouds and all like just drifting towards us. And you could, you know, you could like smell it in the air, man. It was, you know, like burnt smell. And yeah, um, yeah I mean, it was fucking scary. Like, I, I, I mean, to think about it, like you were just there. Yeah. Like an hour before the plane hit, bro. Yeah, it, it's like so crazy too, though, because like that was one of like probably, you know, I could count on one hand the amount of times I went to Lower Manhattan while mm-hmm. I was at school. The whole, you know, yeah, what uh, seven years I lived there, you know, like it. That there's no reason to go down there, right? And we shouldn't have gone down there. We should have gone and gotten on the different train station, but we were lost and like. You know, didn't know our way around the city yet, so we stumbled into the World Trade Center, right? Like, it was like a one in a million chance, right? And then, you know, whatever, just a few hours later, it was gone. Yeah. Until one in a million chance to just be able to leave an hour beforehand, too. And I saw saw, uh, Dick Cheney and Rumsfeld there. They were setting up the bombs in Building 7. So... (laughs) Well, uh, for me, I mean, I was over here in Texas at the time, and uh, when I was in high school, I used to get to school like mad early, and my teacher would always watch the news, and uh, so we'd watch, you know, I'd walk in, and he had the news on it, by the time I got there, the first plane already hit, so he was all like, hey, look, somebody crashed into the plane, into past the plane into the one of these towers, it looked like a pretty bad accident, like, it was kind of like uh, nonchalantly, and I was like, okay, that's not normal. 
And, uh, you know, everybody kind of just funneled into the classroom, and I had already been watching it for a while, and um, everyone was just looking at the, you know, the screen. And uh, while we were watching it, um, I don't want to forget this. The teacher goes in every time before school. They had like a pre-recorded like kid news kind of thing, and then he looks around at the class like, "Would you rather see this or the real news?" <laughs> what? Yeah, that's what he said. Would you rather see this or the real news? And they're like, "Dude, put the real news on." <laughs> so then he puts the he he unplugs that the programming thing and he puts the real news back on. And right when he puts that thing on, like maybe like a f- five minutes later, then we saw the second plane go in. Wow! So you did see it. Yeah. yeah, I remember seeing the second one hit too, because like my roommate was this um, like Staten Island dude. He, mm-hmm. um, you know, was always up early and like used to like smoke cigs loud, like yeah, like, every morning and always wake us up to him like inhaling deeply. Um, but he, I remember rolling over and like seeing the smoke at the building uh, on the TV screen. And I was like, oh, what the fuck happened? And he's like. Oh uh, yeah, it's just some shit down at the, the World Trade Center. I'm like, oh, is it bad? And he's like, oh no, it's nothing. It's like not even as bad as last time, you know. Like yeah. the that's, that's was when they yeah they had yeah, the, like the, the car bomb went off. Yeah. And like I mean, nobody knew what, I mean, what what's confusing. What was confusing about? It? Nobody knew what the fuck was going on. And then you saw the second plane hit, and then the Pentagon hit, and then the planes went down in in Pennsylvania, and at they grounded all the flights, and nobody even knew how many that they got hijacked. Right, yeah, and people I, thought I was, this shit was gonna. Yeah, I thought we were gonna get nuked. Like I was terrified. Yeah, like, I yeah. literally and thought we were gonna die in a nuclear holocaust like that day. Like, yeah, I didn't. Nobody knew the extent of it, and you. And there was a weird phenomenon that I haven't seen since though, was right afterwards, everybody just kind of forgot about all their differences and was kind of just unified. Unless you were you were Middle Eastern. <laughs> not even even like the, the even like the, remember the, like the know, Sikhs in Jersey City were getting yeah like, like I remember that but shit. then like you you saw people kind of be like no 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 these aren't like, these aren't who we're going to be after then one but it was once you put a once you put a face on it once you saw it was Bin Laden everybody was just like fuck that right, guy people fuck were pretty Islamophobic in the nineties man like yeah it was at just that point, casual right? like it was I'm not not nineties I'm sorry in the aughts like yeah. in the years following nine eleven like it was just built into like the news just the way they talked about everything it was all you know t- just completely framed in such a way that like mm. you know muslims are you know uncivilized like barbarians and we need yeah. to you know eradicate that it was you know strong language and um i feel like we're getting over it now but compared to think about the way that bush that w was about muslims right like he was mm-hmm. pretty chill about like he never yeah, said the, and, but but see, that's I mean? that's what i mean about that unification because um bush even went out there and said we do not go again we do not go and attack people whose home are here that are muslim yeah compare you know, that it, to you know the way that trump is yeah, treating I mean, if, his adversaries I can, now i could just know. imagine how trump would have responded the, actually there was one trump response that still sticks in my head because I just remember this so much was he said, well, you know, I guess I have the tallest building in New York now. Yeah. You think he was in on it? <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's that even he's that vain, but, um, Did you see how he got the, um, the federal money for it though. That he like lied and said that he had sent a bunch of his workers down to help. Yeah. Like yep. filed some papers saying he sent like 200 employees there and it was like three guys who went on their lunch break one day or whatever. Yeah. Like that's the kind of shit that he did his entire career, which is like that to me is like something where I wouldn't, you know, I don't think I'd like 
I wouldn't vote for somebody like that, you know, like, and then I don't think that's like an ideological thing. That's just like a scumbag businessman thing. But I think that like his people either ignore it, you know, or they like think it's, it's like an alpha thing, you know, yeah. Oh, like he doesn't pay his workers cause he's a boss. Like, right. They, they don't understand yeah, that I'm, they are the worker. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I guess what the takeaway I had is like, there was, um, I, I mean, there just hasn't been any kind of unifying moment since since then, because ever since that point, for those couple of months afterwards, everything just got so polarized, and we now we're probably and this is probably about as far apart I've seen in this country in my yeah, lifetime. Man. It's so. definitely like it's crazy. Like it's hard to say what's going to happen, but I mean, I do think there's a way out of it. Like I do think it's possible for Biden to calm tensions right there's yeah. i don't know if that's i don't know if that's running the for, campaign that he's running because i think right. he's just running an inept campaign i think so too but i think with trump i i don't think he's capable of hitting the brakes i just don't think he is but no he's not um, there's no, no way like that's the reason like the harm reduction kind of arguments make sense to me now like even mm -hmm. if it leads to you know eight or 12 years of more neoliberalism like the in the intensity and the opportunity for it to escalate quickly in a very bad way for most people is just it's too little too great for me to be comfortable with him having another four years you know like yeah. he he's fucking nuts man like joe biden's right. senile but he's not nuts you know? <laughs> that's true well all right everybody looks like we're about ready to wrap up I want to thank everybody for joining us. Make sure that you can follow the show at Unelectable A. Follow me at underscore Tony Westside or follow Matt at uh, DJ Tom Hanks. That's right. And also hit up our Patreon too. Patreon.com such Unelectable Airways. We're going to be dropping a um, our uh, interview with Steve Koss um, a little bit early on the Patreon and we'll be on the interview eventually. But, well, I felt so bad when I heard that song. Long, long.